The topic today is, uh, as usual, something that I've tried to think about for a, a period of time, uh, or something that just by the nature of, you know, my own spiritual struggle, uh, something that kind of developed over time and th something I've been thinking about a lot. And uh, f frankly, one of the, one of the re reasons uh, why I decided, was struggling with this is that I, I looked at myself as a, as a servant and I said, I said to myself, who are you to stand up in front of people and give a talk? I mean, I, it, it really was something that that was that I was struggling with with for 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 some for some time. I, I didn't I didn't feel that, you know, when I looked and examined my own spiritual life, that I was somebody who should be standing up in front of anybody. You know, I should be standing up in front of the mirror and giving a spiritual talk, not in front of people giving a spiritual talk. And so, I uh, I, I struggled with that for some time, and uh, through through the help of some friends and family, you know, was, was convinced otherwise that, you know, even if you're lacking, sometimes every once in a while, something you say may impact somebody in some way and be of some benefit. And so, you know, here I am. But this talk kind of developed out of that. And so some of you who are, you know, in my demographic may get this reference already, but uh, it's, uh, the, the title of the talk is Chumbawamba and the Spiritual Struggle. And we'll get to why that's the title in, in a little bit. Um, so, <clears> the <throat> first thing I want to say is that the struggle, the struggle is real, right? So, when we, you know, I could start by asking just plainly, just a show of hands, how many people in here struggle with something spiritually and have found themselves struggling with the same thing spiritually for years. I mean, I have, right? And each of us knows what that thing is for us, but the struggle is real. And, you know, sometimes it feels like, you know, that we're fighting a losing battle. Here I am, you know, Sonny Liston, lying on the ground looking up at Muhammad Ali, saying, I never really had a chance to win this fight, right? And that's sometimes how it feels. It feels that, you know, over and over again through the years, we're fighting the same battle and losing it over and over again. And so that's, that's one thing I want to, to bring to attention. It's, it's a fallacy sometimes to think that just because I'm a Christian, just because I believe in God, just because, you know, I have the Holy Spirit in me, that I'm going to overcome these issues and struggles that present themselves in my, in my life. We hope for that, but, but just because you're Christian, just because you go to church, just because you confess, just because you repent even, doesn't always mean that you're going to conquer the, the, the sins and the issues that you struggle and deal with. <clears throat> so, it's kind of like looking at uh, two sides of a coin, you know, the heads and the tails, right? And what many of us tend to think is that is that the quest th that we should be on this quest for a righteous life and i have this little graphic reminder representing the chasm of what it actually is to to live that righteous life right we're standing on one side there's this huge divide 
and we're supposed to be able to just l like leap over this and get to the other side. It's not so easy sometimes. But we, we think to ourselves that, you know, I'm Christian, I'm Orthodox, I go to church, I have children that I'm teaching to hopefully be Christian and spiritual. So I should, I should be living a righteous life. This should be innate to who I am and, and what, what I'm able to do. Um, that we should always be, we should always flee from sin that we should be able to flee from sin. So if sin presents itself to us, we're able to just, just run away from it, to, to avoid the temptation, to avoid falling into the temptation um, that, that's in front of us. We're also, we also oftentimes uh, think that sin, sin is failure. Um, and that's, you know, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, if I were, we, we say to ourselves, if I were right spiritually, I would not constantly fall to the same sin. It's discouraging, to say the least, to fall to the same sin or same group of sins over and over and over again. You, you, you start to feel helpless, right? And then finally, I need to increase my spiritual practice to conquer my sins and demons, right? So these are some things that we may say to each other, one side of the coin. So we flip the coin and look at the other side. And so notice uh, that there is not a picture of a, a huge unpassable chasm, but there is an image of a bridge between those two areas, right? And there is a bridge between those two areas, thank God. And, but we look at the same statements, the quest for a righteous life or transfiguration. This is what in some Orthodox churches they refer to as theosis uh, or the concept of transfiguration that we are illumined by the light of Christ, and so over time, we come to resemble him more, right? Not that we become gods, but that we become, we become sanctified, we become holy through this process of being exposed to and this process of being near God. Um, and to flee from sin, yes, we are to flee from sin, but is it a failure in the, the large scheme of things when we fall to sin the answer to that is yes and no. It's, it's a failure, but it's expected, right? It's not condoning it. It's not saying it's okay, but we should not be uh, necessarily stunned when Peter Yusuf falls to sin because Peter Yusuf is imperfect, right? And I would expect that I'm going to fall to sin. I should try not to. I should have the hope that I won't, but if I do fall, you know, that shouldn't stun me, right? I'm not, I'm not transfigured. I'm not, I'm not God. Um, and then if I were right spiritually, I would not constantly fall to the same sin. And that's a big nope, right? There are saints in our church who have struggled with sins and temptations and, you know, for, for years. That's, their, that's what made them a saint at the end, was that struggle over that sin. And the fact that sometimes they probably fell, fell to those sins, right? So we shouldn't always look at our failures um, as, the, as an indication of where we are spiritually. Yes, as we approach God, as we become transfigured, so to speak, we would expect these behaviors to subside or these, these sins to subside. But the fact that you fall to a sin does not mean that that's the case. One example is St. Mary of Egypt, who struggled with, with particular sins for a great part of her life. And it wasn't 
oh, it was only towards the end where, where she was able to overcome them, right? We look at people like St. Moses uh, of Ethiopia or St. Moses the Strong, also struggled with, with a sinful life for, for a very long time. And, you know, his icon shows him carrying a bag of sand that's dripping. Those, he's carrying his sins, right? Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, finally, I need to increase my spiritual practice to conquer my sins and demons. And to this, I give a big kind of, right? Um, yes, spiritual practices are intended to help us in our spiritual life. They're not meant to eradicate sin, right? You don't read the Bible to eradicate sin. You don't read, you don't go to church to eradicate sin. You don't take communion to eradicate sin from your life. You do those things to approach God, right? And the byproduct of that is that, is that sin dis sin cannot exist near God, right? So as you approach God, as you become closer to God, these things subside, these things we find are less present, re less prevalent in our lives. But we do not do things, and this is important for us Orthodox to know, we don't do things, we don't fast to, to, to get rid of sin, we don't take communion to get rid of sin. It's a byproduct of what we do. We do those things to approach God. We do those things to be closer to God, to enhance our relationship with him. And, you know, this, this is a very nice quote uh, from a Russian saint, St. Theophon the Recluse, who says, uh, uh, All the saints accept only true path to virtue to be pain and hard work. Lightness and ease are a sign of false path. Anyone who is not struggling, not in podvig, which is translated to God-ordained difficulty, the trials that God puts in front of us, is in prelest, a spiritual delusion, right? So it's delusional to think that you're not going to be struggling through your spiritual life, right? If, if, if you think that you are just going to, if everything is easy, hunky-dory for you in your spiritual life, either you're already a saint or you're delusional, right? And, and that's what we have to keep in mind. This is meant to be a struggle. It's a purification, right? It's putting us in the fire to, to, to remove the impurities, right? So this is not something that's easy. We should expect to have struggles. In this world, you'll see tribulations, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I mean, Christ tells us as much. He never promises an easy road to his disciples. Quite the contrary, he pro promises them a very difficult road, right? Full of tribulation, full of attack, full of persecution. Uh, these take different forms in the, modern, in the modern world, or maybe they're disguised in different forms in the modern world. But this is a very nice quote. This is from a Russian saint, a very respected saint in the Eastern Orthodox Church, saying that we should expect this. So <clears throat> this is the classic example that I always come back to. I think when I first moved here, I gave some talk about Judas and St. Peter. I think it was that St. Peter and Paul, but uh, it's, always, it's always the compare and contrast. And I love it because they're, they're, they're contemporaries. The events happened right around the same time as each other. Um, and yet they resulted in, in two extremely different, different paths, right? So the question is, how do we react to sin? And how do we recover from sin, right? So the reaction was similar. Right? The reaction was similar between Judas and St. Peter. They fell into this very deep guilt, some aspect of shame, some aspect of feeling 
conflicted within themselves. I mean, we see this in the icon uh, or the picture of, of, of Judas. We know his story that he basically went crazy after, after, he, after he realized what he had done. And then St. Peter, like uh, this is an icon that I always have loved. And my mother-in-law was actually very gracious enough to reproduce for me at some point. I still have to get it into my home, by the way. Uh, but um, but uh, it's, it's a picture of St. Peter looking very despondent, very conflicted, very grieved after he betrayed Christ when, when they asked him, are you not one of his, right? And so the reaction was kind of the same, uh, but the recovery was quite different. And the question is, why was the recovery quite different, right? We see that the recovery, unfortunately, for Judas was not recovery at all. It was despair and despondency to the point where he took his own life, right? He, and, and you know, to all of us, we can see elements of this in us and, and, and in some very unfortunate cases, even resulting in the same, the same end of taking, taking a life. Sometimes we're so um, despondent or so affected by our own sins, by our own actions, that we can't even live with ourselves anymore. It becomes crippling. It becomes, uh, it becomes, it changes our perspective from one that God wants us to have and turns it to one that God does not want us to have, where we flee him, where we don't approach him, where we don't ask him for the refuge, and we go to ourselves and we become insular and we become despondent, unable to act, unable to move, unable to think, and then in some, in some cases, almost crazy, right? It, it, it conflicts us and it attacks us so brutally that we are unable to face our own selves. And this is kind of what happened to Judas, right? Then we ask what happened, well, you know, uh, what happened to St. Peter? Well, sorry, before we get there. Uh, and I want to I state that this is the work of Satan. This is, this is the work of Satan. And I just came up with a dumb little five Ds, right, to separate the, the, the end game of Satan, and I have the picture of the Screw Tape Letters, which is a wonderful book written by C.S. Lewis about the trickery of the devil and how, how and why the devil attacks us and what he wants. The devil has no end game. The devil doesn't care if you sin or you don't sin. And, I, and I'm, I'm saying this quite frankly. He does not care if you sin or don't sin. What he cares about is that he removes you from the presence of God, period. He doesn't care if it's through distraction our cell phones or whatever we fill our junk we fill our lives with or, you know, uh, a relationship that takes you away from God. He doesn't necessarily want you to sin. As a matter of fact, maybe the easiest thing for him to do is make it so it's not sinning. Well, I'm not going to go to church today. I'm just going to go watch a football game. Well, there's nothing wrong with watching a football game except that it takes you away from God, right? That's, that's the trickery and the deceit of, of Satan. He has no purpose but to remove us from the presence of God right? And in some cases, yes, it is sin, because sin is not something that coexists with God, right? So there's, there's five little Ds to foster despair, which he did in Judas, to disconnect us from the work of the Holy Spirit. So if he can short-circuit that tie, that bond between us and the Holy Spirit, he's done his job. To distract us, which we already mentioned, to deter us from seeking God, to get you to say, well, I keep doing the same sin over again. What's the use of this? I'm never going to overcome this. So I'm just, I'm, 
this is just who I am. I'm a guy who does this. I'm a guy who's jealous. I'm a guy who falls into temptation and lust. You know, that's just who I am. And I'm just not going to continue on this because I've tried for 10 years to get rid of this and I can't. So, say la vie, God. You know, it's, it's you know, I'm just not going to seek you anymore. This is just who I am and this is what I'm going to be about. And then finally, to disturb our peace. To get you into a state where you're not thinking the way that God wants you. You know, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of peace, a spirit of truth. And if he can get you away from that feeling of peace or comfort, he's done part of his job, right? So again, you know, tongue-in-cheek, the, the work of the devil is not to make us sin. The work of the devil is to separate us from God. And this is a message I want to give to, to our servants. And this is a message that I kind of got clear is that, is that, like, golly gee, Peter, of course you're not perfect. Of course you still sin. But you know, we should not stop serving. We should not stop looking to help other people. We should not stop that second commandment of love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. We should not stop those things just because we're imperfect. We, we, we are imperfect. That's just the, the way, the way things, things are. And so to, to the servants out there who wrestle with this or just to, to any churchgoer who wrestles with this, don't let your discouragement in your own missteps or your own struggle deter you from seeking God. Don't let it short-circuit your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Don't let it short, you know, don't let it distance you from, from God. Distance could be like the sixth D, but that will be the next talk. Um, so, uh, so, you know, we go back to how did St. Peter, how did St. Peter react? Well, we know how St. Peter reacted because and in fact, and this is an icon I love, is that he went from being the guy who denied Jesus to being one of the guys who carried the church. On this rock I will build my church, right? St. Peter became, and then we see at the Pentecost, his, his magnificent oration and speech and his testimony of who, who Jesus was. He, and that wasn't that much further. That was 50 days from when he was huddled in the corner with like, you know, the crow like yelling at him and everything like that. I mean, this is 50 days after that. He gave this, this amazing speech at Pentecost, this testimony, and then he becomes one of the pillars of the church, right? So he responded differently. He didn't, he, he was, he felt shame, he felt guilt, he felt uneasy, but he didn't turn away from God, he turned to God, right? And that was the difference. He turned to God to, to, to alleviate these feelings of despair and despondency, right? And that's the big difference between Judas and St. Peter. They both did things that were, you know, maybe equally egregious, debatable, but equally bad, denying God, selling God out, you know, but the response was quite different, right? Um, and then some prescriptives. Uh, I don't even know if that's really a word, but I'm going to use it. And this is where Chumbawamba comes in, right? So for those of you who were unfortunate enough to have to hear that song. <laughs> There's a line in that song that I really love, and it's a, it's a line that, that, you know, in my own little delusional mind, I play when I fall to sin. And that's, I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're never going to keep me down, right? And that's, that's the perspective I want us to walk away with from today. We are going to get knocked down. We are going to, you know, Muhammad Ali's going to knock us out. We're going to be lying on our back, but we got to get up again right? The spiritual struggle is about getting up again, right? So when you get knocked down, get up again, and don't let Satan keep you down, right? 
That's, the, that's, that's, that's what he wants. He wants to knock you down. He wants you to be on the canvas, and he wants you to stay down there. Because if he gets you to stay down there, he's won. Right? If you get back up again, then, then you have a chance to continue your relationship with God and to, to eventually become transfigured. Right? Maybe not in this life, but certainly in the next life. Right? That, that raising of, of who we are, you know, that's the beauty of it, is that, that that person who you're struggling with right now is not present in heaven, right? That's, that's what we are trying to get to, and, and that's where we believe we can get to with the aid, the grace of the Holy Spirit and, and God, right? And so we look, I got this next part from an Orthodox church in South Carolina that was writing on this, on, on, on this topic, and they said our spiritual growth is a result of two, of, I guess, three principles— um, one, the grace of the Holy Spirit. Two, uh, our opening of our hearts to receive it. And three, our disposition of will to act on it, right? So it is a partnership, right? It's not just you accept God and then the Holy Spirit works in you and chalas, you're clean, everything's great, hunky-dory. It is a work. It is a struggle. It is a battle. And this is where sometimes we differ from other other denominations is that is that orthodoxy is really about a few things, but one of the things is the struggle, is the battle. It's the reality of the battle. And, and to be honest with you, I, I'm glad it is because that's reality, right? Because I, w- I was Christian from the, si- the time I was Jonathan's age, baptized in the church at 40 days. I don't know if my parents were lazy, maybe it was 50 days, who knows? But it was, I was baptized and that was not my experience that everything was easy, and nor does it continue to be my experience that everything is easy. It's not easy. It's a struggle, and we have to be aware of that. And so we grow spiritually when the human will acts based on the divine will through grace, right? So we, it's a partnership, and that's the way God wants it. God wants us to work in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, in cooperation with him, to attain this more enlightened, this more this more glorified state that ultimately we have in heaven and as much as we can work towards on this earth. Um, So I think I'll skip over this part. It's, It's nice, I can forward it, but maybe let's... So, so there was my plea to the, the church servants again, is just to remember to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And that's in, in James, the letter of James, right? And then finally, uh, a, a very nice quote from Elder Paisios or St. Paisios of Mount Athos of the, the Greek Orthodox Church, uh, where he says, The person that is struggling to, be- to the best of his abilities, who has no desire to live a disorderly life, but who in the course of the struggle for faith and life falls and rises again and again, God will never abandon, right? And that's very comforting that, that, that he, he, he agrees with Chumbawamba that it is a struggle, that you have to get up after you get knocked down, um, but that God will never abandon you if you continue to get up after you've been knocked down, right? And that's, and that's, that's our God. That's a loving God who, just as we see our child fall, we're there to, to help pick them up when they need that help. God is there to help pick us up as long as we see that he's, that we're trying to get up, right? So I, I think that's all that I really 
have to say for today. Um, I'd be interested to hear perspectives or people's own experiences with uh, these kind of issues, or if they have any thoughts to add on to this, or if I said something incorrect, please correct me. So, uh, but that's, that's today. Any, any thoughts or questions or comments? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, I, I, I don't know if this is, I, th I think this is supported by the church, but, it, but please don't take it as anything from the church. But my, my understanding of it is that, that God, God, there's nothing we can do to, to pull one over on God, right? We can't be fake with God. God sees right through it. He sees our heart. He sees our intention. So if your intention is to get up again, and, and to live and to try to put that behind you or try to approach him and try to enhance your relationship, try to draw near to God, he sees that, right? It's not necessary. There are things you can do, right? Like I'm sure if you go to your father of confession or, or whatever, they'll say do A, B, C, and D as a means to try to help you do these things, but it has to be generated from your heart and your soul. It has to be something that's coming from inside of you that I don't want to, I, I keep, I keep, getting drunk, and I want to I leave this behind as part of my life. I can't do it, God, but please help me. I think that's sufficient, is to ask for his help in doing it, right? He sees that your heart is inclined towards him, and then through the grace of the Holy Spirit, he works on, on that. Does that mean that that person will never drink again or never fall to that temptation? Absolutely not. He may be back the next day getting up from his stupor and saying, God, I really messed up again. I, I keep doing this, but I want, I want this to stop. I want this to end. Please help me. I think that's sufficient, right? And, and that gives, that's, that's grace, right? I mean, if it's just God who says like, hey, it's like the 15th time you've said, please help me, like, I think we're done. That's not grace. That's not a graceful God. A graceful God is there every time, and we know he's there every time to help us up if our heart is really inclined towards him. But if we're just, go, if we're just saying it to say it, if we're just pray, saying a prayer to, to pray it, I, I don't know how much that penetrates, how, how much that penetrates, right? I think, I think it has to be coming from inside of you, like really genuinely inside of you.
Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's important. I mean, we have to realize that if we are in this struggle, you know, we, we don't necessarily give what's due to God, the time that's due to God, the energy that's due to God, the thought that's due to God. You know, if, if we're all told that our, if we all knew your life is ending next week, a lot of us would live our lives quite differently than than we currently do. Like, I probably wouldn't be running home to find out how much the bears lost by, you know. But, uh, but um, you know, we, we should surround us with things. I mean, I, was, I went up to the, to the high school youth retreat. I only was able to go for a day. They were there for a few days up in Idlewild. And, you know, I was talking to Archie, and he's like, he's like yeah, I'm going to listen to this podcast on, on the way up. And you know what? I was, probably would have listened to, had he not said that, I probably would have listened to Sports Talk Radio or, you know, the Dave Matthews Band channel for the, like, 400th time and heard the same song that I know by memory already, you know, for the 500th time. But I actually went to my Ancient Faith podcast and some of the podcasts from this church, and I listened to a couple sermons on the way up. And, I, you know, I, I, when I got there, I was like, I was like you— moron like you should have been doing this why don't you do this more often it's not that we should totally remove all the pleasures of the world or the life from us you know there's nothing wrong with watching a football game there's nothing wrong with going to a concert there's nothing wrong with going to a nice dinner with family or you know going swimming in your you know in a pool or whatever the case may be there's nothing wrong with those things and we should enjoy those things god gave us those things to enjoy but we have to be intentional about how we spend our time. We have to be intentional about giving God his due, right? And so we do this with our kids uh, in, in our home. Like, we're going to read the Bible and pray before we go to sleep. Like, I wish somebody was there to tell me to read the Bible and pray before I go to sleep. Because we're really good about teaching our kids how to do that, but we're not so good about doing it ourselves, right? And so we have to be more intentional about how we spend our time and the things that will allow us to succeed in these spiritual struggles, surround ourselves with these things that we know will, will help us in our spiritual struggles, whether it's coming to church, confession, praying the Agbeya, your own prayers, reading a spiritual book, spending time with people talking about God, whatever the case may be, watching a, you know, a film about, you know, the, the, what was The Chosen, for instance, like the first season of The Chosen was fantastic. Like those are, that was all time that I kind of spent with God instead of doing something else, right? And so we should be more intentional. Thank you for, for bringing up that point. Yeah. Anybody else? <clears throat> Hen dog? <laughs> yes, for all those listening on the, on the World Wide Web. Uh, uh, we, 
Why not? We're having a men's book club tomorrow. Uh, starts tomorrow, 7 o'clock at uh, St. Paul's Church. Please join us if you are if you are an adult male. James, you can't come. <laughs> All right. Uh, could someone pray for us, please?